I'm Chai Atayo. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am director of the Fifth Element. Well, I highlight Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. Okay, I'm reloaded. <laughs> it's too good. That was pretty good, man. That was actually right on. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Okay. Charlie. Reloaded. Benny. <laughs> Dig in. How you figuring? Fuck up with Jay Z. You're gonna die big time. You're gonna pain. You're gonna pain. Legendary shit, man. Oh. What an app. Oh, what an app. Man. We're doing the app. We're doing the We're fucking. We're finally doing it. Jay Z. Jay Z, Jehovah, it's the happening. God, the greatest MC of all time, is here. <laughs> it's here. The Hover episode. Yeah, well, I mean, this, this, is, this, is, this is Ben's entire. Into uh, Ben's entire life has ramped up to this to the to these three weeks. Like, that's basically it. That's basically it's taken me at. like ninety episodes <laughs> to feel confident enough to say to Charlie, "We're doing Jay Z. I don't give a fuck." We're doing Jay Z, and we're gonna do three episodes minimum. This is mm-hmm. just, this is just, this is just series one. Mm-hmm. This is just the music. <laughs> Fucking. This all. is just the music. Okay. There's, there's his, his. There's, oh, there's a million reasons. There's a million places we can go with this, but you know, we're just gonna keep it to the music this week, and next week, and the week after, and uh, we're just gonna get you through December with some, with some Jay Z shit, man. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be glorious. I'm gonna really enjoy this. Is there a, is there a, like a a Jay Z dedicated like podcast like um that watching like watching the throne uh, podcast ah. that the Kanye uh, the Kanye people have? There is. I know a... there's a, I know that's a Kanye thing, but I don't know if there's a Jay one. Shout out to watching the throne on uh, uh, with their podcast. Yeah. Right, they write for Forbes. They got a YouTube channel. They're on U- on Twitter. Uh, I really like them. They're pretty cool to talk to. So shout out to them, man. Okay. Well, I basically asked my question there. A Jay Z dedicated podcast, not yet. which we are not going to become. <laughs> but uh, you know, Ben's, Ben's going to try his hardest. Hi, Ben. How's your week, Ben? What did you do this week? Uh, this week I got into some stuff, man. This is uh, it was a stacked week, despite what didn't drop, which was Playboy Cardi. Like, if you follow Playboy Cardi, someone check on Playboy Cardi. Like his tweets are confusing to me. Um, I listen to Juicy J. I'm going to go from best to worst. Juicy J, The Hustle Continues, unsurprisingly, was the best album of the week. The legend of the bounce. He just, what he does is he creates these choruses that are simple chants, but they turn into like ASMR because they align perfectly with the beat and they just turn into this weird harmonic experience. I, if, 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 there were, if it was a cappella, you'd just be like, what the fuck is he yelling about? Like, why is he yelling? But they, I don't know, man, this guy just has this incredible knack. The beats on here are obviously fire. Juicy J holds court at all times as an MC. You know, he's not just a, you know, a chanting bounce artist. He he fucking spits bars as well. And, yep. and not to diminish bounce music whatsoever. I'm just saying, like, he's very versatile, very engaging presence. Uh, when he pops up on the songs with uh, the the one with Logic and the joint with Megan, he just shows how much of a legend he is. He never gets washed, never sounds out of place. 
high quality piece of music, typical from Juicy J. If you haven't ever checked him out before, this is just the starting point, man. Go back over his solo stuff, great artist. Uh, Jim Jones dropped El Capo Deluxe. Now, El Capo was probably one of, I was in my top 10 last year, which is very surprising, man. I can't believe I'm saying that Jim Jones is now the best Dipset member, but here we are. Jim Jones, back in the day, <laughs> if people remember, Jim Jones was the guy with the freaking knife at basketball games, and if it got into a, a, into a brawl, Cam would leave, and then Jim Jones would just fight off like 20 people by himself. Like, that's that shit happened at the Rucker. So it's like it's real... You know, this guy jumps in. Um, but he's he's such a good MC now. He's so vital and so relevant. This isn't as good as the original, but it's still brilliant. He makes his uh, laced him up with some great beats. His flow's pretty standard across every song, but the lyrics are really heartfelt and violent. They're opulent. They're expressive. Uh, he raps alongside Dave East. That was the best track off the album. Just those two together. Dave East sounds so good when he's just as a feature artist. He just he he has so much texture and context in his voice. I love the direction that Jim's going in these. Like they're like these spacious beach vibe beats. Hardcore talk over the top of them. It really works. Static selector balancing act. Um, mm. the the track list here is just totally insane. The the guest list, but it falls away on some songs. I feel like maybe like cut a couple of tracks. Uh, just like Balance Beam or Immortal, maybe remove those. But the rest of the songs, you know, most of them are all fire. He got Benny and Paul Wall on a song that was wild. I didn't expect that, but it was it was great. Joey's song is great. Jack Harlow's song was really good as well. Uh, Smoke Dizzer with Lil Fame, great matchup. So that was a really good project, man. Un- not unexpected. Static Selector has genuinely been dropping stuff like this for a long time. So please tap in if you yeah, haven't before. Stuff. Like this is not mm-hmm. this is not out of the ordinary. Then yep. we get. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be a week without a Flea Lord drop. No more humble fashion. <laughs> we got a currency drop this week too, man. It's currency and Flea Lord in the same week. Oh, did like, we? I'm asleep. Yeah, man, we did, we did. You're sleeping, yeah, seventh release. I think this is Flea Lord's 12th or 13th album this year. Um, oh, my gosh. Standard, man, standard Flea Lord. Like, it's Griselda, but a little bit lo- more lo-fi, like early Griselda. And that's all I can say is quality stuff. 38 Special, El Camino, Sacred Psalms. Uh, Special's production, man, just keeps upscaling. And El Camino sounds really solid over it. Another one that I would recommend uh, then we get to Currency and Harry Fraud, bonus footage. I felt like he really pushed himself on some of these beats, uh, like Light Switch, he really went in, Seven Seas. It's a pretty short, I think it's only like seven songs or something. To me, when I was listening to him on yesterday when I was driving down to see my friend in Wollongong, and it came on, I, I didn't even expect it to come on, and I can't touch my phone while I'm driving, so I couldn't turn it off. And it was just like the movie that you've watched 20 times and you know you'll watch 20 more times because it's so comfortable and familiar and you enjoy it every time. It's just like I've been listening to Currency since like 06 and I wouldn't say that his artistic uh, arc has changed very much, pretty much the same as 06. And there's like 80 projects in there. He doesn't really grow with a project doesn't matter man it's just always good i don't know it's very comforting so i love that project then we get to no ceilings three by little wayne and like two weeks ago i was like how do i not listen to little wayne ever again and then i fucking listened to little wayne yeah i know man i know but you know what i was thinking about because i was listening to um 
uh the what was the one with uh juicy j and logic had two features on there and i came in here and i fucking hammered logic for that ridiculous bar (laughs) and i was like i'm never listening to logic again and then i fucking listened to no pressure so i really think the only person i'm never going to listen to again is r kelly at this point i can't see anyone else i'm not listening to um but look man the last time i'm gonna mention r kelly today but you know yeah 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 well that's yeah but anyway (laughs) we'll get to that look i'm i'm actually really fed up with being told that little wayne and eminem are as good as they used to be i i think what's happened is most people listening to them now are very young and they did not grow up with these artists in their prime because no one in their right mind is going to sit there and tell me that No Ceilings 3 is any kind of match for Drought 3, Dedication 2, No Ceilings. It's not even remotely close. It's not even in the same stratosphere. It's not the same artist. It's just not, there's not even a song that comes close to touching the the, the worst song of those projects. It's not close, man. This is a 6 out of 10 probably. It's decent, but way too often Wayne gets on this railroad flow where he just does not deviate. He just bombards through the song with no punch-ins, no regard for lyrical content or the beat. It's almost like he's... It was really cool when he first started doing it. I'm like, wow, he's really going in here, man. He's not even taking a breath. But he's done it like 70 times since then, and it's like that's the only part of that that's interesting. You know, when Kendrick did it, I think he did it on You, where he just rapped and rapped and rapped and rapped and he didn't punch in for a really long time. It was the, I think it was You. Um, the lyrical content was good on this. It, the lyrical content is not good, man. Some of the singing here is okay on this out on this project. Most of it is just wailing in auto-tune. And he desecrated the takeover beat. He desecrated it. Like, that is an iconic beat and an iconic song. 07 Wayne could have smoked it. 2020 Wayne, it is not happening, man. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, it's sad. It's sad. He even addresses the Trump shit. He's like, you know, something about his ta- how he hadn't been paying his taxes, so he had to support Trump. I don't know, man. Look, I don't know how much, how aware you could, little... You could just vote it. Like, nobody would, like, you just didn't tell anyone. Didn't have to telegraph it, but, you know... Go I just off. don't understand, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's a sad... Even it's, <laughs> it's a sad situation we're in with Lil Wayne where he's just... I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I realized how attached I was to, to him and to, like, how... I don't know. He opened my eyes to what an MC could actually be and do in, like, 06, 07. And seeing him now, it's like seeing a rock star who's really lost it, man. Like really out on the edge there. And this isn't a bad project. Look, if you've never listened to Lil Wayne before, if you didn't grow up on those mixtapes, you'll be like, this is pretty good. Like he's really going in here. He's spitting hard. But it just doesn't compare. So it's 6 out of 10. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I got into. What about yourself? Uh, Yeah, so I got into some uh, decent stuff. I've been, uh, you know, it, it, I keep I keep like saying to myself like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna slow down on the listens you know what I mean because you know just uh, trying to get these lists sorted you know what I mean listening back to stuff I've been doing that all day today um, a lot of the uh, the J listenings and stuff like that but yeah man I've, I've I apparently uh, got into one two three four five six seven six seven eight <laughs> projects this week and I'm just like I didn't fuck it. <laughs> 
Fuck, fuck that. It's, be- it's because um, all my podcasts, well, the American ones anyway, are uh, fucked off for Thanksgiving, so I've had some extra time uh, in my life. Um, anyway, so I started off with, um, <laughs> randomly, <laughs> but is what it is, uh, the weekend's after hours. Fucking <laughs> uh, finally, jeez, man. What happened to you, Charlie? Did you get a breakup during the week? There's something, you're alone uh, again? Shut up. Alone again? Shut up, shut up. <laughs> no, it's, no I, just saw him, I just saw him in the AMA stuff and uh, obviously the, uh, the, you know, the, <clears throat> the snubbings. Um, and, um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I haven't even, and I was going through my list, I was like, oh yeah, I haven't even listened to after hours, you know? Totally forgot. Um, so yeah, I gave it a spin. Um, yeah, it's good. I like it actually. Um, it's I think it's one of those rare albums that's worth the hype. Um, in terms of how popular it is, I feel like it's worth it. It's very. It really is like an event record. Um, it, the whole shit's a, the whole thing is a movie. Uh, in production is top tier. Yeah, um, it's high quality. My only yeah, high quality. But um, my 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 only thing is that I'm I'm not exactly a weekend guy. Like in terms of subject matter, I'm not really. Uh, I'm not, in, not really into that kind of stuff and listening to that constantly. Um, it's not my steez, but uh, yeah, like the middle of the album, like in terms of subject matter, it's just like. Uh, so you're talking about Gimme Out of LA and you're talking about these girls that are, you know they all look the same, and then like your biggest single is literally like about one of said girls so you know and you know i said this to ben on off wax you know i get it he's supposed to be the walking contradiction guy you know what i mean but uh, that was just a bit too on the nose as, as i was listening i was just like okay sure fine but yeah you know uh the start and the end of the album were really great i like the bookends in terms of like, a few songs in but just like middle not my steeds but uh yeah solid album worth uh definitely um Definitely, definitely a good album. Uh, live, uh, spell L-I-V dot E, so live, but live, but you pronounce it as live. Uh, couldn't wait to tell you. Um, this is I, I, keep, I keep forgetting where I find these uh, find these records, man. Uh, but you know, I fucking find them, bro. I find these records, and uh, yeah, man, this is so. Oh, there's such an abstract feel to this. Like it's, <laughs> it is so like organized chaos kind of thing. Um, you you don't know exactly sometimes like when the when the when the song ends and the next one begins um it's like it's 20 tracks uh, just under 50 minutes so so um, you know the, a lot of them are, a lot of them come and go very fast um which is probably a good thing considering of how um abstract and erratic uh, some of the songs can be um so you know if you if you're not exactly into that particular sound of whatever is going on um which even with that said like there's a a lot of it's one of those albums where you don't really know whether it's like sampling or just like really retro like instrumentation going on um there's some there's some things going on in there like sound wise i've never heard before and i'm just like how what what are they even doing to get to get this sound uh but yeah man it's 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 super out there it's real alternative um r&b kind of vibes uh so if you're into that kind of stuff genuine uh, uh worth giving it a listen and uh yeah man and uh, her her lyrical ability and um, i guess her uh, uh, her, her her vocals as well so you know a good highlight as well so it's, yeah it's a real real good album real, real solid listen uh, the other guys autumn in analog season 2 boys coming through with another beat tape little uh, little little care package for the for the gang uh solid beats all around uh, much more um much more energetic for, uh, not not energetic but like a much more 
I don't know, much more somber tone to these. It's kind of, it, it kind of get a bit dark, kind of get a bit dingy on these beats. So, uh, you know, it's kind of different. So I appreciate that. Um, AJ Shaka, uh, hashtag GT2, little EP. Uh, got lashed to by actually AJ Shaka. Just uh, popped on an email with submission. I was like, you know what, I've got time. Give it a spin. And uh, yeah, man, this is a solid listen. Real, really enjoyed this one. Um, that's some great, uh, I get, uh, there's some great, um, uh, subject matter, um, to this, uh, like, the last track could have been me, basically, you know, it talks about, like, George Floyd and stuff like that, and something like that shit could have been me, um, Gimme's a real nice, uh, energetic track, really enjoyed that, uh, No Worries is a good, uh, song as well, yeah, man, it's seven songs, 20 minutes, so if you guys got the time, uh, to peep someone new, you know, AJ Shaka, shout out, uh, who else, oh, okay, <laughs> Couple of jazz albums here. Um, Aqui- okay, let me say this right name right. Aquiles, Aquiles Navarro. Sorry if I butchered that name. And oh fuck, Chesa or Tshesa. T- <laughs> if you knew how this is spelled, so it's T C H E S E R. So Tesha or Tshesa. I'm gonna say Tesha. Tesha Holmes. Heritage of the Invisible Two. Um, so these guys, I think, are members of Irreversible Entanglements. I don't know if it's both of them or one of them, but, uh, yeah, I know there's, uh, some, uh, uh, connections to Irreversible Entanglements from, uh, earlier in the year from an album I listened to from them, uh, Who Shot You? as a solid, uh, uh, solid, uh, listen. This one's, um, a lot of, uh, again, erratic, uh, piano-led, I think it's piano-led, if I remember correctly, um, and uh, trumpet-led as well, um, uh, jazz, uh, very, when I, mean, when I mean erratic, I mean erratic, like, the, 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 the <laughs> rhythm is thrown out the window, uh, with some of these, <laughs> so, yeah, just be warned on that front, it's not, uh, it's not for the background, it's not a rhythm listen, uh, <clears throat> uh but, yeah, so, apart from that, it's a, it's a, it's a cool little project, um, Jahari Masambi Unit, pardon my French, now, you guys don't know who Jahari Masambi Unit... Well, probably you don't. Um, I know Ben don't. But um, you do know the uh, two members of it. Um, it's actually Kareem Riggins and uh, Madlib, of all people. Um, oh, so, nice. you know, they... they yeah, they, they come through with... Um, and, you know, guys, just to say, you know, for, for, for the new Madlib fans that, you know, have only listened to, you know, Bandana... <laughs> um, and uh, Pinata, he got yeah, some. I'm talking dis- to you lot. Got some discovering uh, to do, guys. Get it, get in y- there, man. Get on the Google. Madlib, Madlib is low key a jazz musician who just happens to do hip hop beats. I truly believe that. Like, uh, you, go listen to Blue Note session, uh, the Blue Note instrumental uh, album that he did, like back in oh four something like that, way back in time. Um, go listen to that kind of shit because. Trust me, he has the ear um, for jazz. Um, and obviously, Kareem Riggins, a super producer, you know, he could do it all. But obviously, I think uh, I think in this case, uh, he focuses more on drums. Um, this is... Uh, uh, with that said, uh, it's a very... Um, uh, there's actually all the all the all the uh, titles are in French, um, so you know. So if you know your French, I guess uh, then you, you'll 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 enjoy the titling because I have no idea what the titles are about. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a, it's a calm listen. It's a, it's a calmish listen. There were some times uh, there were a couple of tracks in there where I'm not really I wasn't really personally feeling the rhythms uh, going on. But uh, you know, overall, um, you know, it's under 50 minutes, 13 songs. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a solid, solid listen. So if you're into so, you know, just to say, guys, this is not a hip-hop project. This is a full, fat jazz project. So don't be going listening to, 
you know, this uh, Madlib co-produced album just because it's Madlib and I like Bandana. Um, you know, if you want to listen to jazz, I highly encourage you to listen to this just because it's jazz. Go listen to some jazz. Up your game. But just to, just to warn you, it's not hip-hop. It really is not hip-hop. It's a full-on jazz album. Anyway, uh, two more, two little EPs. Um, EK, I'm assuming I said that right, EK, uh, the post office. Um, shout out to Caroline, uh, lashed me this one recently. Um, we actually s- both uh, saw him, uh, like a, um, I don't know what to call it, but she basically <laughs> invited me a couple years ago uh, to like a little, uh, uh, like a, like a, I guess like a live mic kind of thing. Yeah, o- open mic kind of thing. Um, but they, they were um, people saw it. And EK was one of them. And uh, basically he's a spoken word artist. Um, you know, d- drops in, drops in bars, um, very, uh, very calmly in his own speaking voice, and uh, yeah, this is uh, basically uh, his, I guess, work that he's been working on for the past couple of years. Because um, he has a song. Uh, most of them are letters, um, are, you know, like a letter to. Um, so he has one called "Letter to My Father," "Letter to My Future Wife," an open letter. Um, I actually listened to. He actually uh, did "Letter to My Future Wife" back uh, back when we listened to him live, um, and I didn't even clock until like near the end. I was like, "All oh, right, yeah, "Letter to My Future Wife," yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was good. So uh, yeah, shout out to EK on that. Uh, solid listen, definitely. And lastly, Britney Carter, "As I Am." <clears throat> this has been something I've been waiting for for a minute. Um, I listened to a couple of singles from her um, and really enjoyed the enjoyed the vibes from that. And yeah, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, obviously, recently dropped. And uh, yeah, man, she she reminds me a bit of um, you know, friend of Ivy Juni, um, in a sense, uh, in terms of I guess uh, well, the, the vocal delivery. I think uh, they they sound very uh, tonally the same. Uh, but I guess uh, the differences and the um. Uh, the highlights, I guess, for this particular project. Um, <laughs> the skits are great. Actually, you know what? This, this, this. She gives me Britney Carter gives me big little brother vibes. Let's say, say that big little brother vibes. Um, she, she has the bars. Um, she does a you know, little bit of vocals here and there. Um, there's these amazing interludes. Um, shout out to Hotshot on these interludes, man. They're so fucking funny. Um, <laughs> like a dude calls up and he's like a. Man, this woman won't call me back, and, his, and the guy's like, "But are you a real nigga?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm a real nigga, but why is she calling me back?" And it's like, "She'll call you back if she's real." <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was, it was bad. It was bad, funny, uh, like a you know, like a radio DJ kind of kind of thing going on. It was real fun. It's a real fun listen. So uh, shout out to Brittany Carter, um, and shout out to um. Shout out to Miss Washington, actually. I forgot, I forget her first name, but she, uh, <laughs> my, uh, uh, I'm in like a little uh, uh, Twitter film group. Uh, you know, just a just a few of us. I'm the only British dude there, but uh, yeah, uh, Lauren Washington. Shout out to her because she actually did the uh, co- uh, the creative direction of uh, Britain Carter's uh, project. So uh, shout out to her on that front. Uh, she recently just came into the group. So uh, yeah, man, uh, worth a shout. And uh, with that said, we hop into the first of three. Of our Jay Z retrospective, come and um, get me. So- <laughs> go, 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 go. Come and get me. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man, this is this is gonna be an interesting one, uh, simply because I feel like we're on such like a hot streak, polar opposites in terms of just like. Um, like how much of Jay we've listened to, um, you know, I've listened to, like, I'm think three, four Jay projects, like, uh, before this. 
Yikes. Like, I'm, I'm lacking. I'm lacking. Yeah. I'm straight lacking, right? Yeah. Um, but to be fair, um, nobody's asking me to listen to volume two. Like, no, nobody asked me to. Um, so, you know, it's, I'm, I'm going to leave that to you guys. I'm not. I'm not blaming myself here. I'm joking. I am in a way. I should. I should probably listen to this stuff. But uh, probably. you know, that's kind of what the podcast is for. That's why. That's why. I, that's why I enjoy the podcast because you know, it gives me. It gives me the opportunities to branch out, um, whether it be someone from history or just someone new, as we've been doing for the past 25 minutes. And uh, yeah, man, this is growth. This is growth right here. So um, you know, and uh, I can finally have my own Jay Z rankings for once, <laughs> and that's gonna be fun. Hey. So I'll keep you guys up to date on that um, as as we go, because uh, that's that's what that's what I'm looking forward to to have my own Jay Z album ranking. Yay! Um, it's actually very easy for me at this point, <laughs> at, at this moment in time. Um, it's it's very easy, uh, very easy for me at this point. But we still have a way to go on that front. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we're going from uh, from Reasonable Doubt uh, to Dynasty. Now we're going to do volume... That is what this episode... We're going to do volume three this week because it's only... It's oh, a lot, volume lot three. Of, okay. Yeah, it's a lot of albums, man. Okay. Let's, let's keep to volume three and then Dynasty through to Black Album next week, I reckon. All right, then. All right, then. All right, fair enough. I, I, I didn't mean to ask like yesterday. I was like, did you want to put do Dynasty or yes. not do Dynasty? I, I did, we did have a conversation a week ago, but I totally forgot um, that we won't do Dynasty. Anyway, that makes my life easier. Um, and the rankings much, 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 much easier. Um, so, yeah. <sighs> Why am I wasting my time? We head off. Oh, the way to Australia. Knocking on the door. Benny comes through with all of his gear, even the singles, oh, on, wait on till, cassette. Wait till I hit you with those those, those shots the of my collection. It's a swab. It's just gonna, it's just, it's just throwing you all the all the vinyl, all the CDs. Maybe the T-shirts. You got some merch? Maybe you have some merch. Yeah, I have some merch. some merch. I'm actually wearing Rockaway yeah, pants right now. So, uh, <laughs> oh, you know. and I, oh, I got a Rockaway shirt on too. Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even clock. It just was. It was uh, subconscious. Oh, just, yeah, just fell, just, just yeah, just fell into it. Yeah, just fell face first into a t-shirt. Yeah, sure. All right, all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. So you see how this is gonna go, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, Ben, what have you got for us today? Uh, well, firstly, we can't knock on my door because my house burned down because we're having another fucking heat wave in Australia. It was forty-three yesterday. That was just Fuck. vinyl melts did, at did that. Did your house actually burn down? No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm good. Okay, right. Fucking. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. How are you recording? <laughs> now we're good. We're good. Um, so, so, so there's a lot of levels to Jay Z's story. Uh, I want to focus on the music only during this three part series because otherwise we're just gonna get like fucking four hours an episode. Um, but <laughs> I want to talk about like, you know, I've been I've been Jay Z fan since the first time I heard O3 Bonnie and Clyde on the radio. Bought Blueprint Two and Blueprint Two Point One with my own money at age fourteen. And as as Charlie alluded to, my collection is insanely vast. Like it it is it is deep. I have a deep collection. There's not many people that I know uh, in this hemisphere, because obviously it's a little bit easy when you're in America to get stuff. But for us, postage is pretty intense. I got th- I got three pairs of Jay Z's shoes. It's, it's it's too much. What the Reeboks? I got the uh, yeah the Reeboks, man. I got I got the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I got four. I got four now. You can probably sell. You can probably sell those for a de- for a decent. For a decent They're in mint uh, condition too, man. They're in mint condition. Okay. But anyway, oh, yeah, I know, this guy. I know. fucking StockX, I, fucking reseller. I stock them. I don't get rock my, them. Get my boy George on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, 
In my opinion, Jay-Z has balanced every aspect of emceeing and created what I think is, you know, one of one of the uh, more diverse rappers. His technique is probably something I'd put up against most people in the game. I think he's in the mainstream. We're talking in the mainstream. So when they talk about Jay-Z being the greatest rapper of all time, we're, you know, we understand that there are underground rappers who are probably doing craziest shit. But when you look at it, and I'll talk about it, because it's it's very important to look at the commercial aspect in his first four albums, because the diversity and the 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 misses, the big misses, you know, they they all played a part in getting to him where he was by blueprint. Um, and so, like you know, he has something like "Is That Your Chick," which is just you know that rapid fire flow that's almost impossible to pull off for anyone that isn't an expert. And then he drops It's Hot on the same album. It's like a very simple spoken word flow that mimics the Southern drawl. Uh, he has no real distinct flow that I've discovered. You know, he doesn't have a, a, a fallback flow. So it kind of molds into each beat. Lyrically, he oscillates between quite intense depth, uh, like on Reasonable Doubt, and then pretty superficial standard braggadocio rap. Um He's not untouchable at all. You know, Eminem proved that on Renegade. Like, he, he kind of washed him on that. But when he's in top form, he is hard to beat, I would say. Like, especially during the Reasonable Doubt era. Like, that that's a whole other level of Jay-Z that we didn't see again until 444. You know, I mean, we saw it in bits. Like, Hovey Baby, for example. We saw it in, in snippets, Beach Chair. But, like, not again on a full project. Um, I guess before I get into, like, a bit of his background... What do you, like, Charlie, having just gotten into him, uh, you know, and listened to these these projects, what do you think sets him apart musically or do you think he doesn't, he's not really set apart musically? <laughs> you just I don't know, man. You, takes might, <laughs> you might not like him. I don't know. People don't like Jay-Z. Whack. Like, he's whack. Maybe. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, 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 what I will say in my, in my, um, and and just to say, like um, from the albums we're going through, like the only album I've listened to fully beforehand was Reasonable Doubt. Um, out of these, out of the four we're going through, classic should have went so, triple. Uh, yeah, yeah, literally. Like so, um, and not to get into the album specifically, like I love the album. Like I straight love it. Like from back to from back to uh, front to back, back to front, don't matter. It's it's all clean to me. I just love the vibe. But anyway, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but yeah, overall, I think from what I've gone through so far, <clears throat> an overriding uh, thought I gain from it um, is that I kind of feel like he. How do I word this? I I, I feel like from the features he uh, allows. Let's just let's just say that for the moment. From the features he allows on his projects in this um in this time frame that, we're, that we've given ourselves to this episode, I feel like it's um very calculated in the fact that he knows they're not going to wash him. <laughs> like, oh, like, really? I, you reckon he fucking got he got the locks on there? He's got X on there. Ah, who else would sure, you have? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, he's got you Biggie can, you on can there. Na- you Come can on, name man. He's got Biggie. He's got Biggie on there. <laughs> and I think he thinks he's better than Biggie. I I, I think he thinks that. Like okay. because we had this com- we had this conversation off wax. Like is 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 he is he a guy that um how, how did we word it? He he's a guy that either has like a super ego where he's just like you know he he you, you lot can do what you want. 
Like I'm above that. Like you, like you, like yeah. I'm I'm above that. You know, what I mean, you you look and you look and give you little bars, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Little bars, um, little little bro, just everyone. Give you, just give you, yeah. Gosh, that's cute. That was a cute, that was a cute verse. Yeah, I mean, young boys. I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's that's kind of what I get for majority of it. I won't say all of it, but I will say majority of it. Um, especially just from people on the label, like you know, Beanie. Memphis, like, you know, uh, and we obviously ain't doing Dynasty now that I've realised, but, you know, just preemptively, like, even from that, I was just like, wow, he, he, wow, these guys are just not competing with the metal, are they? They're just not even trying. Um, but, you know, even with that said, you know, they can they add to the vibe, and that's that's great, and they, they add to the project themselves um, individually, which is good, and that's, that's great. Um, I just don't feel like it's never, it's always like, you're you're recording with this pecking order in mind. That's how that's how I kind of see it when I listen when I've listened back to these things. Uh, you know, some of it for the first time. Um, but you know, that's just me. I don't think that uh, that's the that's probably my objective opinion. Um, that's kind of just the from the question you gave me. That's kind of just why I initially thought up. Um, but even with that said, I feel yeah, I feel like uh, there's a there is there is an egotism to it um, that you know works. It's not it's not. I'm not gonna say it ain't. I'm not gonna say it doesn't work. <laughs> so you know, um, while it may not be my cup of tea in terms of how I like to you know work with people creatively, it works in this case. So you know, and you obviously gave me a little story of wax about Booker's finest uh, hook, and you know that's just. Like I would never do that. Like <laughs> that, that just leaving someone in the dark like that is just absolutely silly. Um, but hey, man, it fucking worked, did it not? So you know, it, it's it, it's like a drill sergeant thing, but not in a drill sergeanty way. It's like it's like a, a, it's like a sometimes looking like it's antiquated kind of way of doing things, but it got results. So what can you say about it? So, I don't know. No, I think you. Uh, like, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I feel the feeling you're sure. getting is pretty uh, on point with what he envisaged would happen on these albums. So I'll okay. give a tiny little bit of background. Um, you know, Jay-Z was a hustler, and I won't go into that because that's a whole other episode, man. That's his business and a whole bunch of shit. But basically, he was spending a lot of time away from hip-hop and from rapping in New York, and you know, he was on the road and stuff. And, you know, he'd been tapping in. Like, he did a whole tour with Big Daddy Kane where he was, like, sleeping on the floor of the bus. He said it was, like, his college years, um, his mm. version. Uh, he was on Jazz's, you know, 1988 album on Hawaiian Sophie. Uh, the the label actually wanted to split them up and sign Jay-Z as a solo act, and he, he didn't want to do that. This was 88, 89, so this is, like, seven years prior, eight years prior to his debut album. And the thing mm. about it is everyone knew this guy had talent, but he didn't re- he didn't think there was any money in rapping. Th- that was the thing, man. It's not that he's just this like desperado who needs to rap to live, you know? It's not he's yeah. not a genuine musician with it like and it, it you know, he talks about it a lot after Black Album how he had to come back and get back in the booth. He fell in love with it eventually, but at first it was not his major, you know, life choice. And it was Clark Kent and Dame Dash who were just desperate to get him in front of labels, to get him, you know, rapping like uh, Dame Dash would drive him around Harlem looking for Big L to battle on the street. 
He would drive him around looking for DMX, looking for Buster. They would wait for them so they could battle them. You know, everyone knew this guy was ultra talented. And the way that I always envisaged it, it's like a young basketball player who's just a total superstar, but just has no interest in playing basketball. Just doesn't really want to play. And everyone's like, bro, you are the best. You need to play. Like, eh, nah, man, I'm, I'm cool. I don't really want to play. Eventually, you know, they coaxed him into it and... They got fucked over by a bunch of labels who all, Jay-Z said he felt like very performative. They're like, get up and and dance for us. Get up and rap for us, you know. And Jay-Z was like, man, fuck off. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it myself. So uh, he, Dame, and Biggs uh, funded Rockefeller themselves. And we got Reasonable Doubt. And the thing about Reasonable Doubt is he only ever wanted to release this one record. So what Charlie's saying is pretty true. What he wanted to do was to drop the album, to heat the label up, sign some acts, and then Jay would be behind the scenes with Damon uh, Biggs, which is Kareem Burke. Uh, I always was confused by that when I first listened to uh, Jay-Z albums. I was like, Biggs? Are you talking about Biggie? I was like, I had no <laughs> idea who Kareem Burke was, but um, he likes it that way, apparently. He kind of is in the background, but that's, uh, yeah, the third partner in the Rockefeller family. And they wanted to like kind of create this label dynasty, but there were two reasons why this didn't happen. The album was just really, really good, and secondly, it did not have the commercial success, you know, that it that it should have had. But look at the the producer list on this album. Like, this is an independent album. There's no major label bankrolling these production credits. They got Ski Beats, Clark Kent, DJ Premier, Irv, Sean C, and Nobody. Like, these producers were enticed by the skill level. And I always find it so fascinating because we always are sold this belief of, like, the hungry rapper, you know, the hungry young rapper <laughs> that beating down doors and releasing mixtapes for 10 years and camping outside the front of Universal and trying to get their mixtape to everyone. Jay-Z did not seem like that. It's just, like, this offhanded, like, yeah, I am kind of better than everyone and I'm just going to, like, lace you with a couple of albums, but, you know... It's not really my thing. Like, it's very, like, laid-back demeanor. Um, you know, like, they all said, like, Clark Kent obviously cared because Jay was very special. Um, Jay met Ski Beats through Clark Kent. Same deal. Ski said that he knew he was special. DJ Premier said that Jay-Z was everywhere in the mid-90s, like, every club, every party he went to. And he said that when he went there uh, and saw Jay-Z, he had a crew and they exuded opulence, and he wanted to be part of that too. And it was the same as uh, when he, they went up on Stretch and Bobito in '95 with Big L with that classic '95 freestyle, yep. which Big L yep. washed him, man. Big L washed him. So it's not Jay Z's yep. not lyrically Thanks. untouchable, but uh, mm-hmm. Stretch and Bobito were like this guy just was overly confident, overtly confident. He was wearing platinum, you know. He was just insane. And they're like, this guy isn't even signed. Where the fuck is he getting this money in? You know, that was his kind of, that was the deal. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think, like, Dame is a pivotal part of this album. Biggs is a pivotal part of this album. This is a Rockefeller album. Like, Biggs said that there's plenty of lines on this album that are either repeating things that he said or describing things he'd been through. Uh, he doesn't go into detail about which ones, but it's really not that hard to tell. I won't go too much deeper than that. Like, Biggs is kind of the silent partner for a reason on that front. Uh, the, the album, yeah, I mean, you can you can draw your own conclusions, but the whole album is like a just a behemoth. Like it's a classic, but not in the Illmatic sense. It is kind of sprawling. It's kind of all over the place. 
Um, you pick your favorite areas to go and you go there. It's you don't put it you don't always put it on in front to back, get drawn into this world that Jay-Z's created. It's more of a it's more of a sheen that he puts over the top of it. And you think about back then, obviously we had Mob Deep, we had Biggie, we had Park, we had Nas, we had Wu Tang. They're all classic in their own way, but the, the I've always struggled to think like what actually set Reasonable Doubt apart because I think it's a great album, you know, but it's not my favorite Jay album, and I don't think it's as good as Illmatic. I don't think it's as good as Life After Death. I don't think it's as good as The Infamous. There's a few albums I don't think it's as good as, and I think it was like, you know, we value authenticity so much in hip-hop, right? And we hear so many rappers rapping about shit that they're probably not doing, you know, popping a thousand Zans, or, you know, they've got 47 Lamborghinis, or... They're in the club every night or they're always drunk or they've had sex with thousands of women. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We listen to Jay-Z rapping about like genuinely high-end shit, you know, like shit that you've never heard of before, literally. And, you know, the, the genre had been existing in the mainstream for 10 years. So it's a lot of people had said a lot of things. It wasn't, he wasn't breaking new ground like but he was breaking new ground and saying things that it was in such an opulent way, but also such a gritty way and such a re, like a, a way that was based in reality. And it was all true. Like he was genuinely that rich. He was genuinely buying the watches he talked about. And I think that's why people set it apart. Um, my favorite places to go on the album, I definitely regrets bring it on. Can I live into evils? I think the emotional Jay-Z is one that I've always been drawn to because it's kind of when the facade falls away a little bit and you get actually, mm. like Regrets is a very intense song. You know, it's a lot of survivor's guilt, um, which he talks about throughout his career. But I think The Evils is the greatest hip-hop song of all time. I genuinely fucking believe that, man. At every level of this song is insanity. The DJ premiere beat is just crazy. The Snoop sample but the bars, man, he opens the whole song with shit is wicked on these mean streets. None of us speak. We're all trying to win. And then he raps, life's ills poison my body. I used to say, fuck Mike skills. I never prayed to God. I prayed to Goddy. That's right. It's wicked. That's life. I live it. I'm not asking for forgiveness for my sins. Then in the second verse, he kidnaps his old friend's baby mother to find his whereabouts to kill him, but she won't give him the info. And then the final two bars, he raps, don't cry, it is to be in time. I'll take away your misery and make it mine. I'll take away your life and make your misery mine. And then the third verse, he's just, he loses control completely. He's killed innocent people. He says, was thought to be a pleasant guy all my fucking life, but now I'm down for whatever, ain't nothing nice. And then he ends it with, even if Jehovah Witness, bet he'll never testify. <laughs> Like, his crimes are so far gone that even Jesus would be too terrified to testify against him. And to me, that was like, he just let go on that album. He just let go and just did, he went, you know, and I think that is probably the height of his, until 444, I think lyrically, that album is, is his high watermark. Um, yeah, I mean, I firmly agree on that front, on that last front you put. Um it's uh, it's 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 for me, well for, uh, go, let's let's go back then since uh, since you live so much so like uh, the the honestly the first like uh, one two three four five five yeah from like carnal hustle to the evils is kind of just where like I 
reside most of the time um to listen to those i just love every, all of the, all of those tracks um especially Carnal Hustle and the, the Evils um Dead Brothers 2 is one of my like favorite beats of oh, all time i feel classic. like i feel like I, I feel like if any if there's any like you know DJ that just wants people to freestyle like over shit for like a radio show or whatever I feel like you know you need to have re, uh, uh, their presence and also the evils actually as, as beats go like still yeah the beats actually that's, up pretty, there. that's, yeah. that's, that's highly up there as well yeah um, and kind of hustle was just so like the reason why that's probably my favorite track out of them um, even though I have to hit the evils in the regular rotation right now uh, it's just how silky smooth it is. And I think that's my favorite Jay Z for me personally. I think it's silky smooth Jay Z, where it's just like uh, where the confidence is, the, and this is very specific, like kind of confidence here. And I guess it's more about the um, the concept of the song itself, and you know, and the beat itself, because uh, confident Jay Z um, does not uh, vibe with me uh in in the in the other albums <laughs> in a lot of ways uh but we'll get to that in a sec <laughs> but uh in this case in this like package of Con the hustle is just so clean and obviously mary j blige as i uh, as i uh expertly uh renditioned last week um but yeah going going back to what you're saying about like um like you know the i guess the notoriety of the album itself um compared with other in 96 i mean just to you know you named a few you know all eyes on me the score 80 aliens it was written in Adelph Half Life, Beats Rhymes in Life, The Coming, Muddy Waters, uh, Machiavelli, Riding Dirty, Stakes is High, uh, Lil Kim's Hardcore, DJ Shadow Introducing, Iron Man, uh, Doctor mm. Octagonal Gynecologist, mm. <laughs> some heat Soul on that Ice, Firing Shit. Squad, Il oh, Nano, <laughs> like. Yeah, it's a wild year. <laughs> At the speed of life uh, exhibit, like you know, what I mean, I'm not saying they're all better than Reasonable Doubt. Oh, you know, no. you could yeah. fill it, you could fill it in in there somewhere. But like, bro, it's just a hot year, and you know, it makes it makes sense since I was born that year. Um, but you know, it, it's just it's just a highly uh, a highly uh, uh, quali- high quality year in terms of just hip hop releases. And even with that said, uh, you know, uh, obviously there's you know retrospects of how we feel about some of those albums. Um, some have aged very well, some have not. Um, well, most of them aged very well, to be honest. Hey, most of them aged pretty well, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, most, yeah, I... yeah, most of them aged pretty decently. Um, like, a fine, one, like, a, like a fine wine. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to see one that hasn't really aged well, maybe other than, yeah, probably none of them, to be honest. They all, they all slap. Uh, but, you know, even with that said... Uh, it just it, it it does it does boggle the mind, I guess, why we think that, even though this album's so freaking clean. Um, I guess for me personally, it's like more the back end of the album. I feel like uh, just uh, the um, I don't know after like after like twenty two twos, it just kind of. Uh, I mean, like what what did you say? It kind of goes all over the place in terms of uh, uh, in in certain ways, but um, I feel yeah, like I mean, that's probably the, that's, yeah. It's go for it. it's pretty it's pretty random. Like you know, you get yeah, can yeah, I live? Give it. And then you get Ain't No, which is the club track. And it didn't, (laughs) look, it didn't need to be on the album, bro. It didn't need to be on the, like, it's the song that set him off, okay? They were trying to heat the streets up in so many different ways. It was the B-side to Dead Presidents. So, but all of a sudden they were playing it in clubs. And then, you know, that was his arrival. But then we get, like, Friend or Foe, which is a good song. Coming of Age is yep. a great song. Uh, Cashmere yep. Thoughts is really great, but it's like a little little skit in there. I mean, it it is kind of 
all over the place. Like it's it's not a it's not a coherent listen the way that an Illmatic is. You know, I'm not. It's not to its detriment unless you want a coherent listen. But yeah, it just yeah, it's sure. a bit it's a bit random. Sure. Ain't no way the one I got. No one can fuck you better. Better. Uh, um. <laughs> no one can fuck you better. Come on, bro. <laughs> Are you 26 when you drop this, Hove? Nah, man, you don't. Not not that. not uh not Jay's or Jazzo's uh best uh best work. <laughs> but, no, but you know, we remember it. Um, do you want to help straight into in my lifetime or anything else? Yeah, we can know? go into uh in my lifetime. Uh, let me see what oh, I got okay. here. So in my lifetime okay. was his first top 10 album. Uh, where did uh reasonable doubt 23 it charted, which is pretty good. Fascinating. Like it's pretty good. But anyway. So, so Jay-Z, he had to drop another album because Reasonable Doubt didn't do the numbers he wanted it to in order to stick to the plan of dropping an album and focusing on the business side. And if yep. you look at it, only Memphis Bleak from his debut would go on to become a Rockefeller member because Foxy, Jazzo, and Source Money were all floated as Rockefeller candidates. Uh, Jazz and Source both turned down deals and Foxy wouldn't wouldn't sign until 2004. Uh, and she only signed the label for two years. So Jay-Z... You know, he needed to uh, put another album out and, like, I guess the plan was still in motion, uh, but the volume one kind of says to me, all right, okay, we're getting into something here. Uh, he says that he can't listen to volume one because of how close he came to making it a classic. People say it's two tracks off. I would say it's probably three or four tracks off, but um, those two tracks are I Know What Girls Like and Sunshine, which I'll get to in a second. <laughs> Uh, he said the issue with this album was the label and the push towards him dropping a more commercial project. So this album came out on Def Jam. The Def Jam deal was signed after Reasonable Doubt. It was a pretty intense deal. I think it was 50-50 or 60-40 to Jay-Z and Rockefeller, which at the time people were saying was very progressive. It was very, uh, you know, normally labels took a huge chunk. And they got a they got a lot of autonomy out of this deal, so it was a it was an important deal for them. But evidently, you can't drop another reasonable doubt and go twenty three, and then drop another one twenty three. You can't keep doing twenties. You know you've got to get in that top ten, and to do that, Jay Z enlisted Diddy. You know in that sense, and we've got to remember that Biggie was also a huge influence on this record because this was when their relationship was flourishing. Uh, they were speaking every day. They were going out to dinner. They were recording together. And Jay-Z says that this was uh, the, the biggest tragedy for him, apart from obviously losing the life of such a young, promising artist, was that they were growing together as MCs. He felt that they were just pushing each other to new levels. And I think that's uh, pretty clear in the fact that I don't think lyrically he came back to this level consistently until about 03. You know, Blueprint, you could argue, but I don't... I think it was... There's other reasons why Blueprint's a classic, and we'll talk about that next week. But, um, yeah, man, the, the the album kicks off with the intro, which is one of the smoothest, most fluid openings in hip-hop. Uh, it's a genuine intro, like a genuine intro, but it's just so smooth. Like, for the millionth time, asking me questions like Wendy Williams harassing me, then get upset when I catch feelings. Then he switches the flow. Can I get a minute to breathe? And in that minute, you leave. Well, I'm looking at the roll eyes spinning on my sleeve. And then he goes, ugh, nice watch. Do you really have a spot? Like you said in front of foe. And if so, what block? Like it's just, it's it's a master. Like it's masterful. Um, then we get into City is Mine, which is a bit of ire some people gave this because people thought this was Hove disrespecting Biggie. 
uh, like he was kind of waiting for him to die before he took the crown. And obviously, this was a huge criticism leveled at Jay-Z around this time that he kind of shoehorned his way into the King of New York conversation when people were thinking we needed a mourning period. You know, we needed a time where there's no more competition, like stop this competitiveness. Um, and those are those are valid criticisms. Uh, you know, I, you know, Jay-Z said that this song was uh, more of an acknowledgement of their relationship um, and an attempt to fill the hole that Biggie left. That's his, that's his opinion, man. I don't know. I wasn't around when this dropped. I wasn't, you know, tapped in, so maybe I would have felt a different way about it. Um, you can make your own mind up on that. But then we get the woeful, I know what girls like, and then Sunshine <laughs> drops as well. It's, hu- it's yeah. hard to critique these in hindsight because of the way that Jay-Z learned from them, but at the time, holy fuck me dead, man. Diddy, Diddy just pops in, I know what girls like, I know what they want. I know what girls like. Girls like me. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) But the beat knocks. The beat knocks, man. But it's just horrific. And look, Jay and Dane were looking for a way to create that commercial success that Bad Boy was just enjoying. Nas was starting to create, okay? Mace. And when I said reasonable doubt and opulence, you know, I did leave out Mace. Mace was Mace was Harlem, man. Mace was talking this kind of stuff as well. So shout out to Mace. Yeah. Uh, Outcast, Fuji's, they were all not attempting to cross over, right? They were just succeeding. That's what I think really maybe hurt Jay-Z a little bit because he does say on Blueprint, Mama Loves Me, uh, reasonable doubt was a classic. It should have went triple. And a lot of interviews, he's like, that album should have done better commercially. But I think he was yeah. a little bit upset that quality was not creating chart positions the way it was for these other artists because they weren't selling themselves out. Like Mace was just Mace. Mace has always been like that. That's just who he is, you know. But Biggie was kind of trying to cross over too. And I think Jay-Z was aligning him more self more so with Biggie. You know, Juicy is a good example of that. Great hip-hop song. Jay-Z didn't have the the... I guess, ability to pull that off just yet. He would in the future, but not just yet. Um, so it was a mistake, but he learned from it. Then we get imaginary players, Streets is watching, which is iconic, friend or foe, lucky me, existential. I think this is one of the most underrated musical runs on any Hove album because they're all iconic songs, especially friend or foe 98. He, he really stretched himself with, uh, with his vocal tones and the acting that he put on on that. Dips a little bit then with Who You With, Face Off. Face Off is a pretty gross song with Source Money. Source Money is interesting. He's he's quite a gross presence on, on Jay-Z records. <laughs> and then they had a song, um, it was Face Off 2000, I think, off Source, one of Source's albums. Don't listen to that out, that song. It's gross. It's, it's really gross. I'm like, <laughs> lyrically, it's pretty intricate. But what they're saying is, is gross. I'm like, Source, just tone it down like 10%, 20%. Um, then we get Rap Game, Crack Game, which highlighted Jay's attempt to take something that worked prior and replicate it. This is this will be a common theme across his career. He will find something, and obviously the Nas sample on Dead Presidents 2 worked and Dead Presidents 1. So he's like, all right, we'll do it again. So he gets uh, Nas's voice off Represent. Uh, but the beat doesn't match the level. Lyrics don't match that level. You know, if you're going to take that, something off represent you really gotta fucking bring and i didn't think rap game crack game was up to that final few tracks definitely defined a niche of jay's career 
through through the next two decades. It's a very, very powerful niche. Where I'm from, uh, hometown pride, but acknowledgement of the genuine poverty and pain and violence uh, that someone living in that environment would endure but come out stronger from. He describes his experiences, explains how they've turned him into a monster in multiple ways, a very strong person. And then you must love we, love, love we, love me. Um, Bro, that shit hurts, man. That song hurts. Like, there's three scenarios. The first, he sells crack to his mother, although this is fictitious, according to Jay-Z. And I've never heard, you know, I've never heard any rumblings that this is true. So it's it's genuinely a fictitious. It's just describing things he'd seen growing up. Then he speaks about shooting his brother, which is a true story. And then he uses a girl he loves to transport drugs in a dangerous situation. And I felt like the self-awareness to identify his own heinous behavior and to recognize that he isn't deserving of love, but he receives it anyway, is pretty powerful. It's kind of like, how can I love you if I treat you like this? But then how can you love me if I treat you like this? And it kind of tackles that unconditional love thing. And I thought that was a good end to the album. But um, yes, there's a lot of mid on here, man, and some low, some low points. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's kind of, uh, my, uh, thing I come away from it. I think, like, there's a lot of times where, like, an art, like a, you know, Neymarist here that, you know, tries to, um, you know, stick to, stick to the script, so to speak, um, but also, you know, try and get that commercial, you know, thing going on. Uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of 50-50 on this album, uh, with that said, like, you know, you name some good tracks that I highly agree with, obviously, like, uh, Friend or Foe's Call, Where I'm From's a, uh, a tune, uh, I didn't mind City as mine, actually, just as a listen, uh, without knowing the context, um, I really enjoyed that one, uh, yeah, the start of this album's actually pretty good, um, and obviously, <laughs> yeah, and then came that sh- sunshine and, uh, I don't know what girls like her. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> for for those uh, for those uh, uh, watch Family Guy, uh, and you listen oh, to that song, bro, fam, you guys, don't bring that you, shit you up. guys, you guys can know exactly what I'm talking. About. <laughs> no, as soon as no, I heard no, that, no. as soon That's... as I heard that, I started crying and laughed. I was like, oh no, I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> no, it's, it's nasty as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can't listen to that song ever again. <laughs> uh, regardless, is you know even with that said, it's not it's, it's not the worst song not to ever listen to again. Um, not like I was gonna pop it on the regular rotation or anything, but uh, yeah, I feel uh, with with all the context you popped on it, um, I feel like there's there's stuff that I felt um, were you know while it was warranted um, in what he was going for. Uh, I feel like it was just too much of a departure. I feel like the the blend could have been much better. And, you know, as we're going to go on, I'm sure it's, it got much better. Um, spoiler alert. Um, but, yeah, as, as, as first tries go in terms of, like, you know, trying to thoroughly, like, actively trying to go commercial and get them numbers as well as, I mean, if you're going to put, if you're going to put Sean Combs and Trackmasters on your album, then you're trying, like, you're not, you're not looking, you're looking for charts, let's be real, you're looking for charts, so, uh, you know, it is what it is on that front, but, you know, as, uh, as commercial, um, uh, reaches go, 
um, not the worst of all time, um, considering there's only two that are completely unlistenable, um, and the rest of it, you know, say it varies from you know great to half decent. Uh, you know, it's just, it's an it's an okay album. Um, it's not it's not too bad. It's, it's definitely not reasonable doubt, but you know, it's it's okay. It's okay. Uh, if you're wondering, like, if you never listened to I Know What Girls Like, man, he goes, flash your jewels, because that's the rule. Damn, I like a girl who spend a little cash for her shoes. Face natural, can I get at you? Saw a spot on the body look nice with a tattoo with my name, but don't want to jump the gun. I didn't know how many dudes was humping hun. <laughs> I never seen a face like yours before, and I've been around some cute whores before that either me or the boys tore it up before. What the fuck, bro? Nah, bro. And then, oh, nasty, man. Anyway, anyway, hey, man, it's, part, it's a rich tapestry. It's a rich tapestry, you know. It's Gotta learn from yep. these things. So we get volume yep. two, uh, which is Jay-Z's first number one album, and it remains to this day. His most commercially successful. Five times platinum, 163 weeks on the Hot 100 and Billboard 200. Can I Get Her became Jay's first track to chart above 50, hit number 19, which he then topped again with the next single off the album, which was Hard Knock Life at 15. Now, uh, it's actually the fourth most successful Rockefeller album ever behind three Kanye albums. Uh, It has a lower rating than Volume 1, critically, but... um, this album was a direct response to Volume 1. Uh, in the interim between the albums, Dame recognized that Jay's street credibility dipped pretty significantly with Sunshine, <laughs> I Don't Know What Girls Like. And I'm not saying yeah. that as a street persona. I'm just quoting interviews and, yeah, and you, articles. You speak for the streets, man. Speak for the streets. <laughs> no, please don't put that on me, man. I'm just speak for the I'm, streets, just, I'm not speaking for the streets. I'm just I'm just reading <laughs> articles and, and doing some research. Uh so, so Dame Masterminded Streets is Watching, which is a musical film, uh, took music from the first two albums, and uh, Jay-Z kind of played the leading role in his own story. And it's it's actually really gritty, but it has great production values. It's not lame, it's not cringe, it's, it's really good, actually. It's surprisingly good. It gives life to these songs. And it repositioned Jay as a little bit more harder-edged. You know, I don't think Sunshine or I Know What Girls like popped up in that film, um, amazingly. Uh, and this is heavily reflected in the music. You know, it's it's interesting to me that he sets it off with Bleak. Bleak's story is pretty cool. I love Memphis Bleak. I fucking love Memphis Bleak. Okay, so he popped up on Reasonable Doubt as a teenager. I think he said he was 14 when... Because uh, they were recording and writing this in 94. I think it was 16 when the song came out. So he said in his own words, he started feeling himself. And he was just sleeping with women in his area. And he put music to the side because he was kind of like, I made it now. I'm good. So Jay-Z turned up to Memphis Bleak's house and Bleak's mum answered the door. And Jay-Z found Bleak in his room with a girl. And he said, I don't need you. I'm good. Don't throw this away. You have an opportunity, so don't waste it. So Jay-Z left him off volume one and the tour. But by the time volume two came around, Bleak was just locked in for life. And he has never left Jay-Z's side in a very... You know, he's just been very loyal. And um, I found it fascinating that he started the album with, with Bleak uh, and the whole new improved Jay-Z. You know, that was... Um, Bleak's been asked about that a lot and he's just like, yeah, that was never happening. Like, I'm not on anywhere near the same level as Jay-Z. Then he gets Hard Knock Life, which is actually one of Jay-Z's greatest ever songs. Uh, the Annie sample story is really great. He wrote to the people who owned it 
and just told a wholesale lie about like having seen it. Uh, he saw it on TV, then he went to Broadway to see it, and he, you know, it spoke to him and uh, the conditions that he grew up in. And of course, it does. But he never went to Broadway, and he never saw it on TV. He wasn't inspired in that way. He just thought this was really hot, and he could like really flip it. So they cleared it, and um, you know, it, it became an iconic song. Uh, then we get "If I Should Die," which produced by Swizzy. Uh, Ride or Die, the next song, there's a lot of death in those first couple of songs. Uh, produced by, we get, um, we get, <laughs> so like it goes there, and then we get Money Cash Hose with DMX, produced by Swizz Beats. Absolute fucking heat, man. Absolute fucking heat. That song still goes. Mm-hmm. I pulled over the other day when it was on just to do <laughs> DMX's ad libs to Charlie. <laughs> What? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Whoa, that song just goes. <laughs> then we get a week ago, top 10 Jay-Z track. I think he grabbed too short again. The emotion and the passion of that song is something he seems to be able to tap into at will. And yet he keeps his cool. Like he, he hurts you with brutal bars about emotion, but he delivers it with such a straight face. It's almost like, oh, I'm disappointed in you. And it like... That's pretty intense, and that there, there's stories behind that song. I'm not going to go into that. You guys can Google that. Uh, can I get her? Was a breakthrough single. He stole that from Ja Rule. Um, ja had the song and the hook, and Jay Z big broed him at Def Jam and asked to have it. Uh, and Ja Rule obliged. Luckily, um, Ja blew up after that. I would have been pretty disappointed if Ja never had another opportunity to to break into the mainstream because you know Jay Z took that song. It's a very dated song, man. Very dated song. It was a smash at the time, but it's a tough listen now. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, another story behind that, like Styles P dissing Jay-Z on that on that track and Jay-Z acknowledging that and allowing it to stay because it's a hot verse. Final three tracks are really solid. Uh, it's like that, which is a really slow and mournful beat that Jay just skates over. Money Ain't a Thing is an earworm. People say this is his fourth classic. Um... Yeah, uh, it's a great album, man. It's a great album, but um, I don't know. Like, really, the only two songs on here that I would say aren't in that conversation are "Can I Get Her" and "Paper Chase." "Paper Chase" is pretty lame. The interesting thing about this album is the way that it launched Swizz Beats and Timberland. Timberland was obviously around, but like, not really in the hip hop space. And Swizzy, this was like pre DMX kind of. Like, he was doing this okay. stuff early. You know, this was mm. early stuff. Like, he was with DMX, don't get me wrong. You know, he was definitely locked in with DMX. But for yeah. this album to go number one, and I think it did 500,000 first week, this was a big, big project. And, um, yeah, man, it's it's interesting to see Timbo and Swizz uh, kind of get, uh, you know, I think I think they were just around in this sense. You know, obviously, Timbaland had been around a lot. Aaliyah and the Missy stuff, so... He yeah. he'd been at you know he'd been at number one, but it was kind of like the first time he'd really broken into the hip hop sp- sphere, and obviously he's been there for a long time now. So I don't think this is a classic, but it's it's a good album, man. It's, it's definitely in his top five of all time. Yeah, um, I agree with that point on both of those. Uh, to be honest, I feel like uh, you know it's not it's not quite I think a classic just because um, I wouldn't really. Um, I don't know. Not to get into like criteria or whatever, but you know, I feel like uh, the 
longevity thing isn't exactly there for me personally and I feel like uh, uh, you know, top to bottom spin you know it's okay is, is that front uh, on that front but it's not something I'm like must listen to this front to back like immediately you know what I mean this, that, that's just that's just me obviously everyone has their criteria when it comes to you know what a classic is um, and I, I feel like I have probably a, you know more of a higher bar compared to most um but yeah you know with that said it's a solid album um even though i respect hard, hard not life as a you know what as a song and it's probably like, obviously the most popular song out of all of this um i i i, I don't know bro <laughs> i just never liked that any uh sample like i just never liked it um it just <laughs> it grinds my ears i'm not gonna lie um but you know apart from that i get it it's you know the story story um aside uh story accounted for um you know it's great um <clears throat> yeah but the rest of it's quite quite good i like the i like the pacing of it um you know it's only 14 tracks um but it goes on for i think about an hour so uh you know it's, it's real it's real it's real good i actually um i, I just like yeah I, I just like the pacing of it it's very balanced um you know you get a bit of everything i feel like the beats are much better here compared to uh volume one um and uh, yeah, it's just some real, uh, real, real good highlights. Um, you know, on here, obviously, he's mentioning the uh, uh, DMX features, hot. You know, I, I, I like Reservoir Dogs. That was that Reservoir Dogs was slapping. Uh, Re- Reservoir Dogs song. was hitting. That was hitting. Song, so man. nice. That was hitting. They all so nice. fucking skate on that man. As, they all go as posse cuts go. That was top tier. That's a top tier posse cut. Everyone was on point. Jada, Beans, uh, Chic. Like everyone was on it, everyone was on it. Styles, of course, uh, Source Money, uh, of course. Um, <laughs> it's just great. It's just great, and uh, yeah. So as as and and that's just that's just one that's just one of them classic highlights that you the that rarely rare, uh, rare some albums don't have. Like some albums don't just have that you know that ultimate like Avengers Assemble kind of moment. I feel like that's kind of a thing. That's a that's a rarity um, for most classic albums. But anyway. Don't want to make it is it a classic uh, kind of conversation, but yeah, it's a solid album. And um, as a side note, guys, as uh, Ben's going off, like I'm literally, <laughs> I'm literally just looking on Genius and just like you know lyrics and here and just reading and stuff, you know, as he as he goes. Um, <laughs> I can't help, I can't help but uh, acknowledge the fact that uh, from the albums we've gone through so far, and uh, oh, oh, there we go. And uh, from the last one, we're going to get to uh, just right now. Uh, ben is the top scholar on every <laughs> single one of them. Nice. Little flex, little mm. flex, little flex. Will that continue next week? We shall find out shall on the see. next time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So, 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 volume two is cool. Volume two is cool. Um, but yeah, does two well. things before I end that. Um, Swizzy was around. But I don't. I must have read that somewhere. Swizzy. Like some some sort of Jay Z fan stand thing. Swizzy was like he popped up on the the first DMX album like six months, three months before this album. So no, this album does not launch Swizzy into the mainstream. He already had a number one album. That's my bad. I apologize for that. And then we get but the source money thing. Listen to some of the stuff he says on this Reservoir Dogs. So many dudes on my nuts. I thought I lost my dick. And then he raps. Uh, he says, "Where's the one about coming?" It's just like really, really weird, man. I don't know. It's just kind of like I'm like you're kind of gross here. I fuck to win. You're coming to lose. Something to prove. Spit it. We can have a spray off. I lay off wet dudes and kill them on my day off. Ain't nothing for me to bust a tray off. <laughs> 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 ah. 
All right, anyway. Anyway, get into Volume 3. Um, volume 3 has the most words of any Jay-Z album. One, uh, 13,269. That's a lot of words for an album, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I know this stuff. I'm, I'm, a, I'm hip-hop numbers, man. I know this shit. That's a lot. Also, the most bars <laughs> per track of his career with 80. His next best was 69 on Black Album, man. And I wouldn't like, say that Jay-Z is spitting crazy on Volume 3. This isn't, this isn't you know, it's not going in on every song. Um, it was actually also the first of two number one albums in a calendar year because Dynasty did it later in 1999. He was the second rapper to do it behind Tupac, not DMX. DMX did not do this. Someone lied to you, okay? Some stupid, someone didn't do their research. Everyone ran with a fake fact. And 20 years later, people were still quoting this shit at me. It didn't happen. DMX had two number one albums within a 12-month period, but not in a calendar year. Stop saying this shit. Anyway. I feel like you I don't go this... on a monthly basis not saying that fact. <laughs> not, Bro, not, not shooting down that one. <laughs> no one listened to me, man. No one listens to me. I know what I'm talking about. So I feel okay, like this album perfectly sums up. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. I appreciate you. <laughs> I feel like this album is, is Jay-Z's first four albums in a nutshell. Like... The deeper you dive into the motivations behind his musical choices, the more it becomes very clear that he was trying to balance credibility with commercial success. He was trying not to go total pop, but as close to pop as possible in order to maximize those commercial gains. Because ultimately, Jay-Z's music has been about accolades and accentuating his bank bank account. Like... This is not this is not a hot take, man. He readily admits this fact. He said it on wax a million times. This is what he's trying to do here. So we get something as absolutely cynical as anything, which also samples a musical. Absolute like barefaced attempt to catch the success of Hard Knock Life. We get things that you do as a single with Mariah Carey. Jay-Z thought that this would be a smash after he went number one with Mariah on Heartbreaker, but Things That You Did didn't chart anywhere, did not chart, it was a single did not chart, um, with Mariah as well in 99, that's wild. Then we get Big Pimpin' with UGK, Jay-Z was so desperate for this song to succeed, man, he said in Decoded he had taken a few pretty heavy L's, none heavier than the issues he had with Lance Rivera, uh, Volume 3 leaked early. Uh, like seriously early, like a month early. And Jay-Z said leaks were anticipated, but he felt this one was too much. He asked around and all the sources, he said, pointed to Rivera. So one night at the Kit Cut Club, he stabbed him. Stabbed him, said he just, you know, he was so angry, doesn't even remember really doing it. Uh, he addressed it on 444, of course. You know, you stabbed under un over some records. Um, you know, imagine how a knife felt. But look at the optics of this, like, Volume went number number one. Volume three went number one, and it sold 462k first week. Has an 82 review average, okay, which is the fourth highest of Jay's career. He was moving units, but he was so desperate to succeed that he stooped to physical violence against a man who did not commit physical violence against him. You know, so I found that very fascinating. Like diving into the motivations behind that. Uh, Big Pimpin', he said he spent a million dollars on the video. He was trying to get it onto that MTV video of the day, I think it's called. I don't remember. I wasn't around at this time. But uh, that almost whole thing didn't happen. UGK's Pimp C actually took offense to the pop sound of it. He didn't want to do a pop song. And he also did not want to fly to New York to record it. 
Um, in the end, he promised Jay-Z he'd only give him eight bars. And they're some of the best eight bars you're ever going to fucking hear on a song. He absolutely fucking slayed that song, man. Uh, then the, the, the video shoot, Pimp C didn't even rock up. Like, they went to Trinidad. They had to shoot the, the video without him. And then they had to do an alternate venue with Pimp C. So I found that very fascinating as well. Uh, yeah, man, it was just, it's, it's an interesting album. It's an interesting album. I think Jay-Z achieves his goal. This is a pivotal album because his first three records, he's really trying a bunch of things without really knowing what's hitting. You know, he gathers all the wins and all the losses from them and kind of distills them down into volume three. And we get these pop smashes like Big Pimpin', Do It Again, uh, you know, Girls Best Friends, mixed with like actual grittiness, like Watch Me, There's Been a Murder, Come and Get Me, NYMP, you know. It, then we get like, like I guess, deep cuts, like Dirt Off Your Shoulder stuff, like It's Hot and So Ghetto. I think that the album holds up pretty poorly in hindsight for the same reasons his more commercial attempts do because there's some serious mid. Things that you do, Pop for Rock and S. Carter are all really low-tier Hove songs. And to have three bad songs on an album, on a Jay-Z album, I think really sinks it down a little bit. I love the rest of the album, man, but um, I think this is the quintessential early Jay-Z album. You know, I think this bridges the gap between like Reasonable Doubt and something like Kingdom Come. This is the bridge between albums like mm. that, uh, where it's like he's 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 on both. Like he's got arms out in both directions, if that makes sense. And they're both ends of the spectrum. You know, there's uh, Diddy mm. produced almost all of Kingdom Come, and that's like a very kind of pop focused album and a very like you know we got to. But well, I mean, it was we got to save Death Jam. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But that shit, he yep, needed to save Def Jam with that shit. Reasonable yeah. Doubt's at the other end of the spectrum, man. There's no, He doesn't know what commercial success is. He's seeing everyone around him during Reasonable Doubt. Look at those albums that Charlie mentioned that year. Think of the albums that were going number one. And it was written, all these albums were going number one. Uh, um, although I think it was written was 97. But Or no, it was 96. Was it was it written 96? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so all these albums are going number one that are, you know, very hardcore hip-hop. They're not... They're not compromising their values. Jay-Z yeah. goes number 23, right? And he's got Premier, he's got Ski Beats, he's got Q Capri. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? And then you get Kingdom Come where he's like, he hasn't, he's lost that. He's lost that connection to his first album. Volume 3 is that connection, for better or worse. And then it went off in a whole bunch of different directions. But I think that this was pretty good culmination for the volume series, the, the In My Lifetime volume series. Because, yeah, man, I think, I don't know, it's hard to pin this album down. I listened, I listened to all these albums religiously. I've listened to each of them at least 30, 40 times front to back. Minimum, got to be minimum by this point. It's been like 18 years Christ. I've been listening to these albums. Constant. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've, I've thought that they're the greatest album of all time at some point in my life, but um, mm. I can, you know, look back at it now and be like, yeah, there's some real low-tier shit on this, man. This is, even, even by, you know, hip-hop standards, not just by Jay-Z standards. So I think this is probably my least favorite of our first four. <sighs> I'm so glad we agree on that. Fuck me, bro. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> All right, let me let me let me get off um, my uh, hip hop student uh, hat on. 
So I feel like uh, a big pointer that um, I don't think you explicitly mentioned, but you're getting there, um, is the fact that he put on, well, not put on, but he, you know, he uh, collabed with uh, people like UGK and Juvenile. At this moment in time in hip-hop history, um, the South-North divide was was a real thing, right? It, it was not... It, it was... It was there it was it was genuine it was people looking up like uh, well well new yorkers anyway specifically looking down at you know ugks the outcasts the you know the the, the girl boys um and stuff like who are these guys you know i mean it's just it's just eh, what's what's going on over here um but you know jay-z stuck out his neck as you know at that point obviously at this point i mean in in time you know leader of the gang so to speak you know what i mean leader of the hip-hop family so to speak um and you know joined and made a bridge in that fashion and uh you know even though someone like juvenile only got a hook and uh ugk had some albeit really fucking good features for you know what is one of jay's most popular songs you know that's saying something i feel like that really should be um that really should be noted in uh how this album uh really just made bridges in one sense and uh, you know, as uh, as Ben continues uh, uh, went to, went on to say, is you know, in some ways, a quintessential bridge between you know something like Reasonable Doubt and obviously his uh, most uh, uh, <laughs> uh, unashamedly uh, uh, pop uh, pop record, the Kingdom Come. Um, but with that all said, I was struggling to listen to this, bro. I struggled. I was just oh, oh, I, I I dared. I right. I was so I was like. My, I, I think was so close to the skip button on so many times, bro. I just had to. I was just like, <laughs> let it stop, Whoa. let it stop. Okay. And that was, but and that was before we even got to something like Big Pimpin. And obviously, as as even that song goes, has aged like fucking milk, <laughs> lyrically. Uh, but uh, play with a dick in the truck <laughs> till I need a oh. nut, till I need a beat to guts. It's beep beep, and I'm picking them up. Let her play with a dick in the truck. <laughs> let her play with a dick in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 the um it's the um no. No, it's, it's the it's the it's the first bit. So um, you know I thug and fuck them, love them, leave them because I don't fucking I don't need them. Fucking Take them out the hood, keep them looking good, but I don't fucking but I don't feed fucking them. Feed like, them. Bro, first time they fuss some reason. Like bro, even like Beverly Hills women treat their dogs better than yeah. the how he sounded right now. That is grimy. That's gross, bro. That's gross. That's gross. Um. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the beat Yuck. does slap still. Uh, the beat, the beat, Oof. the beat does slap. Oof. And then pimps, but Pimp C, man, you gotta skip to Pimp C. Smoking yeah. out, pouring up, keeping lean up in my car. In my like, <laughs> oh my car got leather and wood oh, so in my self. hood. We so call, it buck. Oh. call it buck. I love his inflections. Damn, his inflections are so good. Like his inflections so should be in, like some a vocal hall of fame. Just like show the wavelength of him going cool. <laughs> so great. Uh, but yeah, bro. Just I, I don't know why. And you, you name some of the tracks like uh, S. Card. Just S. Carter. You must try, you must try harder. harder. Competition, Competition is, is nah, nah, nah. Oh my gosh, bro! I was screaming <laughs> internally. I was like, "Is this an actual hook? You must be fucking kidding, bro!" I was cr- I was crying in my mind. I was like, "No, please don't, no, please no." no, no, no. <laughs> Oh man, no, but yeah, no, I, I just... no. <laughs> <laughs> Can't 
competition is none. Ooh, what does he say at the end? Oh I God. remain at the top like the sun. <laughs> Gosh, that, that track's oh, horrible, bro. Yeah. No, no, no. yeah, no. So um, that was that was not it for me. Um, and that that was just like one of them. That was like the main one that just made me want to cry inside. Um, I think Watch Me was another one. Uh, I, f- I forget the specifics of it. Um, I know Dre was on it, but I forget the specifics of why I didn't rate it. But yeah, and also I think um beats wise, I wasn't really into it. Uh, for half of the album, I don't know why. I can't really. That's because you like. That's because you hate Swizzy. <sighs> Here we fucking go. Fuck's <laughs> sake. How many I mean, do Swizzy's- you produce? Swizzy's only on one song. <laughs> oh, right, fuck off then. Jeez, man. I thought you like produced like six of the tracks or something. I was about to, nah, I was about to have an existential crisis. Like, maybe I do hate Swizzy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just gassy. Oh, you really got me there. I really thought, like, do I actually do not like this? <laughs> yeah. I don't mind Swizz. Just want to say. Um, but yeah, uh, but you know, once it got near to the end, actually, I, I kind of. I, I, after after Big Pimpin', I was kind of getting into it more. Um, I do love NYMP. That was a real nice track. I really like, that's probably my favorite track out of the album. Um, so yeah, uh, more 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 to the more to the end. I was warming up to it. Um, but yeah, the the uh, the, mid, the the halfway the halfway wreck of uh, these uh, these songs just really there was a real rough patch, bro. Real rough patch. I was just I was uh, I was I was struggling, but I made it through, guys. I made it through. So hallelujah. So. Uh, uh, but yeah, this is uh, yeah definitely my least uh, favorite out of the four that we have done so far. Bro, you, you should be <laughs> lucky that you, you did not listen because I got the the international version right. So they gave oh, us the original version, but then they changed it when it got leaked. But they'd already shipped the original. So then we got is that your bitch instead of there's been a murder, and at the start Jay Z goes ugh, don't get mad at me. I don't love my fucker. I'm chasing my duck. I'm replacing with another one. You had to see. She keep calling me big. And my name was Jay-Z. She'll be all on my dick. Gradually, I'm taking over your bitch. Coming over your sheet. Got my feet up on your sofa, man. Like, it's just... It's nasty, disrespectful, man. And then he says, I got your bitch in my rover, man. I never kiss her. I never hold a hand. In fact, I diss her. I'm a boulder, man. And at some point, he's like... She kept <laughs> begging me to hit it raw. So she can have my kids and say it was yours. How foul is she and you wifed her? Shit, I put the rubber on tighter. Like, oh, it's just, it's basically super ugly before super ugly. And, you know, <laughs> right. I, again, I've gone through periods where I loved all these songs, but in I'm, yeah. tw- I'm 32 years old for fuck's sake. I can't be fucking with this. So, yeah, man. <laughs> Bro, yeah, listen, um, mid on this, man. Yeah, mid mid is mid is being generous. Um, but as a, as a final thought, actually, um, this is actually... Uh, you reminded me um, of the thought I wanted to give as a final thought. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not one for like you know comparing between people, right? But sometimes when I hear Jay on those kind of you know flex on women kind of tracks, right? That's the um, one, yeah. it, 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 they they do hearing him do that um, just just doesn't feel right to me sometimes. But when you compare it to someone like Biggie, for example, right? Um, for some reason, he just comes through with just some, with you know obviously maybe it's just his cadence or his voice, you know, or just the persona he gives or the, or the vibe he gives off. You know what I mean? Obviously, vibe his persona. Um, you know, I don't know what it is about Biggie, but sometimes, but when he talks about like 
um, women, even if it's not in the most, um, you know, endearing of ways, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make me, like, convulse, like, sometimes, uh, Jay does, where it's just so, where, where if Jay mentions something about a woman, it's just like, oh, okay, right, that was, um, okay, sure, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's, it's it, it just, it just, some, sometimes it just really made, like, throughout, no, not, not, uh, for, for all these four albums, there were just moments sometimes where I was just like, okay, that bar just did hit in the real one wrong way right there. Oh my gosh, that 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 really did not feel nice. Um, but yeah, um, and you know that's that's kind of that's not what I'm saying in terms of, like the overall. Obviously, we've got you know a whole <laughs> career uh, to go through still. Um, but at this point in time, I was just I, I was I was just thinking as I was especially this in the volume three, I was just like. Fucking hell, bro. Even if, like, if, if someone like a Biggie, or even someone like Big Daddy Kane, right, as, as another good example, like, Big Daddy Kane, like, for, 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 for those that don't know, right, and the reason why he's in my top five, um, personally, is because he talks about women, even if it hasn't aged well, right, bro, he comes through with the slickness, bro, the slickness, and it's just so, it's the same with Biggie, right, in a way. They just can't. They just both have this um, way of doing it that just that just feels fucking great. <laughs> Regardless if you know the bars have aged well or not, uh, they they just he, they just sound so fucking cool doing it. And you know uh, the reason why I said that the you know when we were going through reasonable doubt and saying like kind of the hustles like a good uh, a good track for like a confident Jay Z in that way. Um, that's kind of that's kind of a good, good example for me personally, where I just look at that and I'm just like, you know, he's you know, overrunning with hundreds. Y'all niggas don't want it. You know, it's just it, it's mafioso, but it's just it, it's got that it's just got that slickness to it. Um, but when it got to something like Volume Three, and you know, the beats make a difference um, in that sense. Uh, it 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 just it just watered it down for me, and it just didn't. And I, and I had to, I guess, because the beats weren't all that to me personally, I had to listen to the lyrics and I was uh, prop, more properly. And I was just like, oh, ew, 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 oh, ew, ew, mm, oh, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, it just happens sometimes with, with Jay. And that's kind of, and I don't really get that with others that even have the same subject matter, um, you know. What a male hip hop artist? Misogynistic lyrics? Well, there's not many of those. Um, you know, not, <laughs> I don't know why I'm I'm just mentioning these three artists, but you know, everyone um, <laughs> have had their moments on that front. Uh, but yeah, sometimes when Jay does it, I just I just I just uh, I just cringe, bro. I, I just have some cringe moments. Um, so, but you know, overall, you know, I, I enjoyed my foray into the first uh, the first quarter of sorts of uh, of, of his works and. Uh, <laughs> It was an interesting, and it's so interesting thinking of how, like, two thousands they sound, but they weren't even two thousand yet. We're not even in the, we're not even in two thousand yet. So in that case, he was very ahead of his time. Um, I feel like their big pimping was in was on like playlists from like then till like maybe two thousand and five, uh, and just fitting comfortably. Um, if it if that dropped in two thousand and five, I think it would have been completely fine. So you know. I think he really called some stuff in terms of just like uh, the future of what hip hop was going for, you know, bling era, obviously, in the overall sense. Um, but 
you know, but in individual listens, uh, there, were, there were some times where I was just like, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this one again. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a solid go, uh, go so far. I think a lot of credit goes to Timbo on that front because I always felt like sure. Timbo was very ahead of his time as a producer and he's got, it's hot, Snoopy track, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Big Pimpin', uh, Come and Get Me. He also did Is That You Bitch. So I think, um, and they were all, those beats were all crazy as fuck and they were all, you know, ahead of their time. So I think that's that's part of it. But I also agree with you. Like, you know, we, we've we probably been quite negative to Jay-Z in this episode and we probably won't be next episode, but maybe in the third one we will. Um, and I didn't expect to be that negative, but I think... It's important because we've heard the narrative a million times of Jay-Z the greatest, Jay-Z's the best, and you might be at home wondering why he's the greatest, why he's the best. To be fair, this this podcast is not going to do that for you, unfortunately. You know, like I could come in here and, and just tell you about all the greatness and all the, you know, I could, but, I, but then I'd be neglecting what we just spoke about. And to me, that's a very important part of acknowledging... Mm, just the stuff that we should be listening to and recognizing, okay, that's not within our value system. We don't fuck with that, you know? And I think it's important to at least acknowledge that that exists. Um, and Charlie's got a great point there about the way that Jay-Z talks about women. And it was a huge criticism that Nas gave to him on Ether. And at the time, I didn't really understand it. When Ether dropped, I'm like, I didn't get this, but I was 14. So, you know, why would I get it? I, you know, I was young, I was immature, I didn't know what any of this meant. And, um, yeah, it's a great point. There's a, there's a, an added level of creepiness to some of Jay's lyrics with regards yeah. to women, where it's like very, <laughs> I don't want to say predatory, but I want to say there's a power dynamic that he's fully aware of and exploiting, sure. you know? Sure. That's, that's the scary part. Like, sure. that's the problem. That's the problem that, you know, women have is like, I was even watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine this morning and Jake Peralta was dancing with some 90-year-old and she grabbed him on the ass. And I was like, you know, it was funny. It was a funny moment. Other way around, not funny. Not funny <laughs> because there's a, there's a completely, you know, the, the, the man is not going to be overpowered by a 90-year-old woman, but a woman may very well be overpowered by a man. So we've got to remember that. We've got to remember that, you know, it's just yeah. not, not the right way to speak about women. But, you know, I love all these albums still. I still listen to them regularly. I still think Jay-Z is the greatest rapper of all time. I just want to highlight the other side of it. I want to highlight the negative sides or the sides that, you know, we, we're not just going to blindly parrot, oh, yeah, Jay-Z is the greatest. This song's so great. Look at his lyricism here. Like, this song was such a hit, man. We're going to actually dive into this shit. And I think we did pretty well this episode, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a great, great place to finish up. Um and we can hop straight into a lighter note, which uh, I I have something. Um, okay. I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about uh, awards, um, but not in the oh, yeah. not in the not in the not in the way you want to th- uh, you're thinking. Um, I kind of want to talk about something different. Um, so in this case, I wanted to talk about the Mobos. Um, now, for those that don't know, um, Mobos is uh, it means a uh, music of Black origin. 
uh, created by Kenya King um, years ago. Uh, it's been, as I think, like in the early 2000s, I forget. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been the place, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, it's kind of like the BET Awards, you know, to the from what the BET Music Awards is to the Grammys, you know what I mean, kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's the black equivalent, you know what I mean, stuff like that. So in, in this case, it's like the Mobos and then there's the Brits, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different plane, right? And I was having this conversation with some uh, friends recently about like uh, uh, I forget this I forget the reason why um, a friend brought it up, but um, she was talking about uh, oh yeah it was about the Grammys actually um, yeah so it was like a when will when will they you know what I mean when I mean they uh, when will they see us as elite um, you know, we have to, we have to, like, conform if we want to win, like, Oscars or Grammys and stuff like that, and it's like, and while I understand where she was getting at, and, um, you know, uh, I could, I completely, you know, I completely get it, I completely get, like, what, what's going on in that fresh, in that conversation, in a lot of different mediums, like, we understand it in terms of music, like, we've shown the Grammys many, many a time, um, and, uh, I understand it a lot in terms of, you know, the Academy Awards, the BAFTAs, I, I understand it completely, I'm fully aware of it, um, but for me personally, and the thing I always come back to, and I have to come back to, because, you know, it's the only way I feel like progression can be made, and, uh, the reasons why I value something like the MOBO so much, and why, you know, a lot of people should value the MOBO so much, um, is because there shouldn't, there can't, you can't progress, we can't progress, and do you know what I mean by I mean we, can't progress, unless you don't, unless you see yourself as elite, regardless of what you have, like, you, you can't seek validation from the Grammys, you can't seek validation from the Oscars, you can't seek validation from the BAFTAs or the Brits, you can't, you just, or, or the, whatever the Australian one uh, is, uh, I think, I think it's the Arias, I think, Ben? Yeah, um, Arias, you know, yeah. Yeah, and the only, and the only artist I, I see from there um, that actually gets any type of recognition is Sampa the Great, and, you know, while that's all well and good, shout out to Sampa the Great, I saw her, I saw her uh, performance uh, video, it was very solid, um, you know, that's just one, <laughs> and uh, that's just all I see, but, you know, it's just me, uh, in terms of my net, but, you know, you can't seek validation from these places, um, because you have, in that, if you have, if you want to, you'll have to change up what you're doing, and for me personally, I'm not changing up what I'm doing just so I can appease some, you know, some, some people who just so happen to be judging these particular things, right, even even someone like the weekend can get shot on. So what's so if that's the case for little old you, uh, with whatever you're doing, whether you're creating your first EP, your first film, whatever, right? If the weekend can't get love, then what's the point? What really is the point? If someone like that can fall under because can quote unquote fall under the cracks, right? Then <laughs> then what chance does anybody have? Honest question. Right. So, you know, this is kind of just like an affirmation thing. Like you if you have to see yourself as elite regardless of what you get, um, you know, if, if you focus on what you're doing and you see yourself as worthy to make those things and to speak your truth in those particular stories and in your particular concepts uh, and your pieces of art, then that's all you can do. And 
people will flock regardless. Like it may not be, you know, millions of people. You know, another example is the fact that um, um, there's a film series by Steve McQueen going on right now called Small Axe. Um, you, some of you've probably heard of it. And uh, you know, we're as it is recording. Uh, well, <laughs> I think it's actually the third one's actually going on right now as I speak. Um, so you know, three films in out of the five. Um, and here they're shown on BBC One in America. They're shown on Amazon Prime. And the BBC One numbers are, you know, eh. You know, there's like a couple of million people watching. And, uh, you know, as comparison, uh, there's a show called I'm a Celebrity. Uh, you know, basically watches celebrities eat shit for, you know, just for every week uh, in a quote-unquote jungle. In this case, they're in Wales because they're not going to Australia because for obvious reasons. Um, they're, getting like tw- they're getting like 10 million uh, viewers average. That's just for celebrities just eating kangaroo nuts or whatever. Like actual kangaroo bollocks. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just... Shit is delicious. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for that. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, right? It, you know, people want that entertainment, um, but people don't want to see um, a, a film about uh, the Mangrove Nine or some uh, or some black youths in the eighties uh, going to a lover's rock party, or in uh, as a as, as this week's film is uh, John Bragg as a uh, as a black policeman in the eighties. Uh, you know, people just sometimes don't want to see that kind of stuff. But it's all about value for me. It's all about value. What do you value in the stuff you watch, right? You know, reality TV exists for a reason. It's because we can all turn off and we just watch some stupid-ass people do some stupid-ass shit, right? It is what it is. But there's also stuff like small acts that have to exist. Um, in this particular case, it's never existed. Hundreds of years of literature, film, uh, uh, music, any type of audio. And shit like this is the first time it's being, like, you know... Uh, covered in in some way that's depressing right to think about but as long as you focus on what you're doing and you put your art into that and you put your heart into that art then I feel like you're validated enough and that's all that matters to be honest so uh, you know fuck the Grammys as we always say um, shout out to the Mobos as always. Um, they, they've got a real solid um, nominee lineup going on there. Um, they do entertainers, they do music as well, obviously. And uh, they actually did um, because they haven't hosted the Mobos in the past couple of years. Uh, they have a 2017 to 2019 album of the year, um, just so they can give one of those some love. Uh, you've got those like a uh, Dave psychodrama, a uh, little Sims Grayer in there. So hopefully one of those win. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, shout out to the Mobos uh, back again. That's great to see. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that uh, soliloquy off because I've had a lot on my mind recently. <laughs> oh, that's fair, man. I think there's, there's just two small aspects to that that I'll comment on. The first is that um, I find the Grammys response fascinating. Uh, the two people that I really paid attention to were Pop Smoke's manager. I think it was his manager or someone re- you know related to uh, his business. Throwing D Smoke under the bus and saying that Pop Smoke deserved that nomination and pretty much going off. Um, I found that incredibly ridiculous. Uh, whilst I agree Pop Smoke's album should have been nominated for Rap Album of the Year, you don't throw the other members of the category under the bus. There's no reason for that. There's no reason to criticize them. You know, just keep it moving. Explain. Uh, and the other one was uh, Summer Walker's manager, I think, Justice Manager, something to sure. do with that. yeah. He did a very interesting interview with... It wasn't really an interview with Joe Budden Podcast. They just called him. And he went the fuck off, right? And 
Summer doesn't care, according to him and according to the people that know her. During, from what I gathered from this interview, she does not give a fuck. He's just like, it's very hard to get Summer to do anything with regards to labels and commercial and mainstream and awards and all that. And he said, we jumped through hoops for the Academy. We did this for them. We did stuff for free for them. And they didn't even nominate her in the category we wanted her in. And you're saying that the artist doesn't give a fuck about the award, but this person was genuinely upset. Like he was, he was livid. He was ropeable. He was very angry. But some of the artists did not give a fuck. And I see it with Griselda. They don't give a fuck. They don't care they didn't get, they didn't get nominated. They're making bank. They've got a like devoted, dedicated fan base. They have respect in the industry. Like, I find that fascinating, man. I think, I don't know what the answer is, but you're right, man. Validation from these institutions is just, it's, it's baseless anyway. It's baseless. Like, for Justice to say we had to do all this stuff for them and jump through hoops for them to even get a nomination... What, what does that tell you about the whole process? It's like, it's the same when I try to get verified on Twitter and like a bunch of outlets or uh, labels were like, yeah, if you just do all this work for us long term, we'll work towards it as a goal. I'm like, what? What does that even mean? Should I be verified? I, sh- I deserve to be verified now? Or like you're saying I have to work for you for free for six months before I get my verification? Is that how I get verified? Like, I have to jump through these hoops for you. That's what verification is. Like, all these things. It's like, how much how much value are you attaching to this thing that you just have to work for free or or just dance for them or jump around for them? Like, it's just useless. I don't know why. Anyway, we've spoken about that ad nauseum. But the other side of it is uh, talking about, like, you know, choosing what you watch and, and choosing what you tap into. I do think it's important. It's it's hard to get over that inertia. Certainly, I know as a white person with a lot of white friends and a lot of middle-aged white friends, they're not interested in this kind of stuff because it very much challenges their perception of the world. Um, and their perception of the world is incredibly flimsy. And I think they'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> but they won't admit it. They'll admit it, you know, if pressed. It's very flimsy. Like the, the white privilege and the, the white all this bullshit, you know, like, you know, I wasn't involved in slavery. I don't have any responsibility. Like, I don't need to say sorry to our (laughs) Aboriginal people. I didn't fucking commit genocide against them. Bro, you celebrate Australia Day. Like, it is so flimsy, their arguments. And I think any kind of engaging with that kind of uh, content challenges it so much that it shatters their view of Mm. their friends, of their workplaces, of our society, of people in positions of power. But the problem is once you, the the good thing is once you shatter that, you never have to worry about it again. All you have to do, because it will be so simple to you. Once you shatter the facade, you'll see the whole picture behind it, the whole landscape. And you'll be like, you'll want to engage with these things. You'll want to learn as much as you can about that. You'll tap into I'm a celebrity for a little while just to, you know, give your brain a break. But you'll seek out this information so you can educate yourself and fully understand what uh, we as a people have done or what is being done to other people in other countries. Like, So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I just think a lot of people don't want to go there, man. A lot of people don't want to go there. And it makes me sad, man. It makes me sad. And, yeah. That's really all I have to say about it. I could keep going about that, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Um, you know, it's just, uh, and, and, uh, that's kind of 
that's kind of where I'm at. I was just like, okay, if you, if you guys, if you guys don't want to listen, then you know I'm just gonna keep doing me, and uh, you know that voice is gonna get only gonna get louder at some point. So you know, so mine is gonna, too loud at this point. Shouting. Like you can't, you can yell like I yell at these people, and they just, I just so perplexed how you can be so willfully ignorant, <laughs> how you can be willfully because you're right, it's out there now, it's so in your face, it's so overt. And yet you still choose to be ignorant. What kind of human are you? How are you? What is your legacy on this earth? You are leaving it in a significantly worse place than when you came into it. Like just by your constant ignorance. So fuck you to those people. (laughs) Fuck you. Educate yourself. Big facts. All right, we'll leave it at that. Um, on that on that tasty note, on that uh, tasty tastily inflammatory note, Uh, (laughs) it's gentlemen. Uh, from the Fifth Podcast Network, this has been Digging Digit. So enjoy this episode. I've been Chai Tony Fifth Element. I have been B. Carter. <laughs> Fifth Pop Numbers. You proud of that? B. Carter, you must try harder. Competition is nada. <laughs> I mean, Hip Hop Numbers is the biggest account of its type, so competition <laughs> is nada. <laughs> Oh, all right. Part two, Jay Z coming next week. Very cool. Have a good week. We should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, uh, peace. Digging in the digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece and video games by bonus points. Thanks to your prekers for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and short crackers will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast network and hip hop by numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. We'll dig in in the digits. <laughs>